167 of you from 202. Um, hmm. Let's just do that for the whole episode. Let's just make that sound. After three games, I think three, Orlando clicking over uh, Chicago and uh, New England, uh, the Rebels are now undefeated in five. Five matches without a loss. Uh, who knows where we are on the table now? But uh, we're going into the last two games of the season, and I'm glad you checked to confirm that those games all happened. Because I yeah, I thank you for jumping bit. in. Because I, I it wasn't even a bit. I literally don't know how to culminate that sentence. Um, but it's it's the f- same four of us. It's Britt, Peaches, Sam, and uh, Cork. How how are you guys doing? Do you have? Can you help me out? How should I finish that sentence? Is there is there a way to? Fi- is there a second clause to that sentence? Uh, no, I don't think so. We're. Uh, I mean, I just feel bad for Orlando fans that we're going to win their COVID Cup, but <laughs> um, beyond that, I don't really know what else you say. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, oh, here we go. I'll dust off my take from uh, EDSS earlier this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a running series of bits. Uh, we've, uh, we've once again come back in the, the last minute after two consecutive games of Caden Clark scoring while n- refusing to take his sunglasses off because uh, they're legendary. Um, we now uh, had Brian White score at the death twice in a row. And uh, then we also, uh, we won on Wednesday? Wednesday, against the Revolution, um, who are still playing, like, half of the 2014 squad somehow. Uh, And we won by Aaron Long, uh, scoring at the end. And uh, if you haven't seen it already, I would urge you to go look at Bruce Arena's face at the end of the game. I think that's a pretty good summary of the whole thing. Kaku is back, finally. He played 30 minutes. CCJ is back. He played a little bit more. Um, Mandela Agbo is uh, locked in Sam's shipping container while he's <laughs> with his family upstate. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I, I, we, we came back. Uh, I, brought, I brought him back. So, so I, I think he'll be playing on Sunday. Awesome. Good news. Oh, perfect. Little insider, at least, little uh, insider tip. Uh, hot off hmm. the press. Did he at least pay rent? Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't paying rent, so I didn't make him pay rent. <laughs> you can't, mm. if you're moving, if the shipping container's on the move, you don't have to pay rent. That's a little legal tip for you there. Yeah, Just yeah, FYI. yeah, we canceled the rent, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how it works. Yep. Um, Is that like the opposite of squatters rights? Like moving, moving, movers rights? Movers rights. Yeah, but it's like even more, it's more powerful version of squatters rights because you are constantly in the act of squatting. So anytime anyone tries to serve you with any legal action, you go, hold on, I'm still squatting. Just let me finish squatting. Uh, it's really robust. Yeah, we're on the bleeding edge of this stuff. So um, we, we, yeah. we did some good work. Um, so, so again, sorry that he didn't play for like what, what feels, you know, feels like forever. 
Uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of my fault. Um, but but don't worry, uh, that ends Sunday. No worries. The the message that you sent to Bradley Carnell informing of the, him of this was uh, unfortunately lost in the mail and uh, Tony Bobulinski uh, lit it on <laughs> fire or something. Am I getting that right? Am I watching? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's. Uh, that that I think is a more interesting uh, analysis of what's going on. It's like what's going on with these. Uh, what's going on with these lineups? The eternal question of interim zone. It's not a special. Not a special zone. I, I don't they, uh, know where Drew Yearwood is though. Um, that yeah, that's not me. I don't know whose whose fault that is. Yeah, kind of thought Drew a little bit. Yeah. It, um, when at times do you, do you actually remember? I don't, I honestly don't remember when. Didn't he start against Chicago? Yeah, I think so. We He's had, gotten I remember, a medium amount of minutes. There's, there's definitely, when. there's definitely been some pretty odd. I mean, it's, it's been a, you know, pretty thick schedule of games this month. And so there was always going to be rotation in there. There does definitely seem to have been decisions made with rotation in mind and players put on the bench who you would imagine are uh, in in the in a normal season, which everyone keeps insisting we're playing in. But in a normal season, uh, you know, would be would be starters would be in in the normal lineup in games that we're trying to win. But uh, now, um, you know, we did see some, you know, clear decisions that, you know, would have been, you know, based on wanting to keep them fresh um, and, you know, sacrificing, you know, short term results for that. Um, but it's it's odd that some of there's there's definitely been rotation, but it hasn't necessarily been universal. There's been some players who have not been rotated. Um the main the main one is is Kyle Duncan, which obviously he's he's been doing really well. Um, and I, well, I don't I don't even know if I want to necessarily say well because because I think like Britt was kind of building there. I feel like we're almost in a new kind of uh, you know slightly altered zone oh, no. where um, you know. It's less Duncan. unique, though. Thankfully, I think it's just kind of I like think, well, lame yeah, I mean, zone, right? I think the thing about the zone, though, is that we were kind of like, there's that feeling that you're stuck in it, and um, at least we have kind of a a light towards the end right. of the tunnel. It, yeah, it's it's definitely an interim zone, but uh, but the zone more in the sense uh, as it applies to Duncan, as far as his good performances are more of the product of there mm. being no one else around uh to really that's that's having a good good performance and and I that's not necessarily can. that's not necessarily to shit on the rest of the team it's it's just that yeah i mean um you know when when we're only when we're kind of outside of you know a few games like that big miami result and and a few others here and there where we're breaking teams open for the most part we're still kind of you know just going through these kind of kind of slog um games it's like geez like I've, i obviously wrote about it this week but it's it's hard to tell mm-hmm. where the red bulls zone you know ends and the 2020 mls fake season zone begins right um but but uh, you know it's it's definitely that you know nobody nobody we're going through these these very kind of 
you know, nondescript flat games where nothing is really happening. There's not a lot of events. There's not a lot of, you know, waves or punches or anything like that. And, you know, the one event that happens, you know, which hasn't been a huge sample size lately, seems to be involving Kyle Duncan a lot. I'm not yeah. necessarily going to carry that over into saying that he's, you know, put on some blinder for the last part of the season. I think he's, you know, been central to what the team has done, and that's not nothing. But um, I think you just you you can't you really you can't really make any judgments positive or negative on on what's going on right now. Is is my general thesis? And yeah. You know, it's like because like Kyle Duncan scores a a neat little goal with his left foot of all, you know of all things, uh, right. and but it's also like that's we all sort of know that's not our main criteria for Kyle Duncan. That's right? a yeah, that's a bonus thing for <laughs> yeah, a player right? like you him. Know? Like and, you know, um, it's it's uh, and it scoring, as, even even if you're a striker, like scoring like a nice technical goal is not supposed to be as important as like consistent performances, you know, week after week. Right. Yeah, and it was it's um it's it's a weird situation. Like l- just looking at the lineups, it's everything is so overdetermined right now. I'm being a question mark because it's like is because because there could everywhere every single guy there's like endless permutations of like this guy is he being played because we want to say a specific uh, matchup? Do we want to see his ability or is he playing because he's a proxy for a type of player like we suspect with Barlow? Or is he playing uh, because uh, it's just pure rotation? We've got uh, midfielders uh, out on international duty like Kaku and, and CCJ. Um, and that's why we've seen Mark Shikovsky play uh, over 60 minutes in like five of the last six games mm-hmm. where he was out injured before. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say... Um, for so many of these reasons, like who's being started and who's not for, or for, or being punished or anything like that. I mean, I think, um, for, and it puts you in a situation like specifically with Egbo when he was looking so strong, um, in the team before, like it puts you in a situation where I have to wonder if Struber or Carnell or someone is just requesting that they want to see more of of Duncan and they know what they've got with Egbo, right? Because like he Egbo's last minutes were 62 minutes on the 7th of October against Miami. Mm-hmm. Um and that's the game where we won like 4-1 or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it and meanwhile we've seen uh Duncan play 90 minutes since at least October 3rd. This chart that I'm looking at dates back to October 3rd uh, against Orlando way back then. Um, like and even if you think Duncan's been playing well, he hasn't been playing like not ever see the bench in a condensed schedule. Right. Well, and, yeah. You know, to my theory, it makes me feel slightly uh, lightly conspiratorial, right? Being like, oh, maybe Struber's looking for something. At this point, I don't, I don't even really know what he'd be looking for anymore, you know, mm-hmm. right? It's like... Duncan, um, there actually is tons of tape on. Yeah. Relatively exactly. speaking. Yeah. And then it's like with Seagrass, I sort of think that, you know, like he's he's not re- like he's been listed as a groin injury forever, but like, it's this sort of thing where no one even bothers asking about it. Like if he were a first team player and a starter, this would be the kind of thing where people would be like, wow, it sounds like he like broke his leg. What's going on? No one really cares enough. Cause it's clear he's on the outs or, or not a priority. But now I'm like, geez, maybe he really is injured because like this, this level of rotation and stuff and, and stress 
But then again, I'm like, maybe Duncan would play forever. It's hard to know. It, it's frustrating to make. Maybe Duncan is just Felipe and like, yeah, never gets tired. Like, you know, maybe yeah. Um, even, even though he's had like injuries and, you know, <laughs> yeah. weird like, you know, absences from the squad and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Like yeah. supposedly, I mean, to, to, to go back to a point you made a second ago, Britt, like um, there's a quote from Carnell um that from from earlier this week that he is uh he's at least you know publicly claiming that he's not being influenced by struber he these are his lineups yeah um, i mean i could so, i could I mean, see it. that that could supposedly that that those statements could supposedly you know uh thelwell could still you know that they didn't eliminate the thought that thelwell could be influencing things and that's you true know, that's kind of like a middleman but yeah I um I mean I think a long parallel to these lines. Uh, there's also a quote from Carnell, kind of backing Tom Barlow in a very strong, like decisive way, too. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's been some there's been some comments from memories. Yeah, been just like you know. I just think I personally, me Bradley Carnell, think he's you know the best player at this position and gives us the best chance to he win. He said something like working the like, eh. yeah. He said something like working the hardest in practice, like deserving the spot. Like he said it a few times, and I think yeah, like, he's been doing that. He, he was like I doing like a halftime interview. I remember it. he said said it, but Peaches is probably another time you're talking about too. Yeah, I mean, he talked about it tactically, too, and that, like, the types of runs that he makes is is kind of unique, or, like, the way that he moves, um, it, he's bound to just start scoring soon, is, I think, um, close to what Carnell said about Tom Barlow. I mean, I wonder if this is just, like, an attempt for um, what Bradley Carnell in this season, um, which I think we might actually be evaluating on a different level than, I guess, him on this season um, to achieve kind of uh, a successful team. Back at the beginning of the episode, I was going to say like, perhaps the the way that we're viewing the season shouldn't be on team success, but rather, you know, like as, as we're, we're kind of talking about like um, how, how players will fit in or play in certain um, scenarios with um, certain archetypes of players. But um, I think increasingly so, it seems like it's just like... Uh, there, there are kind of favorites in the lineup uh, of sorts. I mean, Aaron Long was healthy too, right? According to Carnell. Um, and then he was just saying something about Amrotaric in practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but that's another one where it's like, for, for a while, I, I didn't read, I sort of lightly assumed that the injury report on Amro maybe have been, had been, um, you know, crafted with a wide criteria for injured maybe but then once he got came off the injury report Amro started playing and Nealis has not really been seen since um so that seemed to point slightly in direction of like okay maybe Amro is really like third string and Nealis was was just playing because Amro was hurt um that seems to be a semblance of like normal depth observations that you would make but then there's these other things that don't fit I mean I think the the Carnell comments on Barlow are kind of like stuff, good stuff that you manage expect from a manager to kind of back their player. Um, I may be whack if he was like, yeah, we don't actually really rate Barlow. He just makes runs more similar to someone we think we might, I wouldn't expect him to say that. Mm-hmm. I will say that white success nonetheless has, has kind of been um, <laughs> complicating the manner. I mean, like it, it kind of sort of comes to a head with that one goal against Chicago where, uh, you know, Barlow makes a good run or, or is in the right place 
to kind of bungle this ball that that uh, White finally <laughs> puts in. It's sort of a you know on uh, sort of a metaphor. It's not quite like Trump leaving people stranded on a on a runway level direct on the nose metaphor, but it's sort of close. It's rough. Um, rough. Yeah. But meanwhile, we've we've still seen nothing from Jorgensen, you know, where where um I just you know, I what would is, like to what think, is going on, yeah. Like I I would like to maybe it's true that Carnell is just like, yeah, this is just I'm just calling the shots. Struber said and is taking a break and is you know, watching things in Brazil and told me to just talk to Kevin. Maybe that's the case. But if that's the case, I would like I would like to see them evaluate Jorgensen a little more. Texas right. finally gotten some minutes, uh, weird scattering of minutes. He's, he's played in the last four games. He's played 22, 20, 56 and 16 minutes. Um, which, which is sort of strange to I me. Mean, he hasn't gotten on the score sheet yet, but, um, it's all weird. Cause you know, really until Kaku got back, everything, all of the, everything we're creating really just kind of felt like productive, chaos i mean it's slightly it's more interesting and it's more fun than what we were doing when armis was still here and at least we have the promise of coming to something later um but i guess as as one uh hopeful note or or more productive looking note you know when when kaku stepped on the field for the last 30 minutes against new england uh it only took about five or ten minutes for us to look like we had we had a direction again and kind of a purpose mm-hmm. to what we were doing i mean it's it's we like Kaku a lot on this podcast, um, but it's really it's really hard to overstate it, right? I mean, just looking at his influence on that game, it's just it 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 really does transform everything we do with his presence on the pitch, um, if he's allowed to. Definitely, I mean, I think I think productive chaos is like maybe the best kind of summation of of the worst elements of the zone, the zone at its worst. Um, and yeah, like I may, maybe, maybe we really are seeing, you know, Bradley Carnell doing his version of, of the win now, you know, go, go one, go one nil and nil every week, you know, like fucking kind of like, he's actually going to try and win this thing, which I guess is his right. I mean, if, if I was in his position, that's what I would you know want to do. Um, you know, especially if I know that I'm going to be out the door soon. Um, yeah. maybe he's not going to be out the door, but you know, if he was, if he was trying to end up on Struber's staff, I would think he would, he would be listening to what Struber was saying and like sucking up to him in the press more than he has. But, yeah. um, uh, maybe I I'm wrong, to, but, to Ross's point, uh, Ross Haley's point mm-hmm. in his column about, um, Carnell earlier this week on once a Metro, he, he wrote a column kind of talking about or me, evaluating Carnell's, stance of interim but i think really talking about like the weird how weird a job interim manager kind of is Mm -hmm. um what do you think that what you're saying reminds me of that because he is he has been sort of put with a weird task of trying to motivate these guys um even if it weren't covid season you know i think it's still kind of a weird situation because i think to maybe try to draw a timeline for this season we had like the first six months right six months in real time and the the Orlando tournament after the brief um you know promising win against Atlanta everything is shockingly the same as ever and then it curdles a little bit when Armis seems to start lashing out a little bit verbally Armis leaves 
we kind of begin the second phase of the season where in this like transitional post-firing phase, we start beating teams. Good. I mean, we have the first recoil loss against Philadelphia, but then we have like guys starting to like score goals. We score three goals. We score four goals in a couple games. And to me, that part of that phase of the season was exciting and fun because it served as like proof of concept that like, okay, yeah, this is more like what like the baseline level of talent would do. We'd lose some games against good teams, but we would still wax bad teams because these guys are still creative quality players. Then I think once Struber gets hired or announced like that seemed to sort of kick off a third stage of the season where it wasn't like the possibilities weren't quite as wide open anymore. And everyone's kind of just waiting for Struber, you know? Um, And I think that is a unique challenge of the interim coach where Carnell has got to make all these acronyms. He's got to, he's got to put all these things. So maybe even just for himself, he's got to play, he's got to do this win every week thing. Cause uh, he doesn't really have control that much. Like if, if Struber, if Struber isn't giving him detailed notes on things to do every week yet, he can't make Struber do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's just the nature of an interim, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking at my watch waiting for this phase four to start and <laughs> just for it to be a normal season again. I mean, it probably won't be normal in 2021, but you know, nothing's probably going to be normal, but please just, I want, I want it to be, I don't know. I just don't understand feeling normal about this season. <laughs> like what is going on? The one thing that I've like, <clears throat> I think the, the whole like zone, like kind of, you know, semi zone, not really zone. Like I definitely agree with that sentiment. The one thing that I do enjoy, at least in this Carnell sort of phase and phase is, is that individual player performances seem to be getting better despite the like maybe lack of kind of clear vision at the top um, uh, and maybe less direct influence that's, that, that, that Stuber's ha- having on the team. Um, so like maybe specifically what you can talk about, like individuals like our, ba- our, our center backs having better games uh, and playing well and being, you know, enjoy, I enjoy watching them, uh, even though there's kind of less of a larger strategy uh, or larger influence that Struber's yet to kind of make on the team. That's true. That's a good point. And I, I actually, I should, that reminds me, I should probably do an amendment to my phases and say that the third, that third phase of like lame, lame duck period isn't, pro, isn't only when Struber's announced, but it, also coincides with the international break. Cause I do think there was that window as well, where like Armas is gone. We're playing more interesting again. If a little bit more sloppy, we were seeing drew and Kaku play together. And like, there was like three or four games where like, we're all watching it again, like really closely being like, Oh, how are drew and Kaku going to play together? How like, Oh, Velo's actually staying deeper. Like what's that going to look like? Oh, mm-hmm. Tim Parker's playing really well. And like, that was interesting, invigorating. And that's unraveled. That's unravel because Kaku had to go quarantine for two weeks after yeah. after partying with the Dodgers. Um, and <laughs> you know, the, uh, so that's been frustrating. But Tim well. Parker still looks good. Tim Parker still does look good. Long, it, it, long that clearance that's like sliding clearance on Wednesday. That was that was real sharp. Yeah. Uh, where he like nicked it away. Uh, is there a shorthand way of describing it? It's kind of hard, but he like, he like slid around it and nicked it away uh, as it was going across. So yeah, he read that really well. It was a good read. I mean, yeah. I think um, like it, it, 
Yeah, I mean, this just goes to our theory that Tim Parker just does really well when he doesn't get the time to think about stuff and just has to act, right? Emergency defending is is, start, is coming back. I mean, that that New England game was full of it, which which I yeah. think, which is a good which is a good sign. I mean, from from what we've said before, right? And it was emergency defending, but I didn't really feel like, except for maybe I don't know, not even that Tim Parker clearance that we had like a really big, big, big threat to to concede there. Yeah, as 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 weird and off kilter as we looked, have looked in the last two months, we still weirdly haven't been conceding that many goals, um, especially not from the run of play. Which, do you think, I was going to say, like, I mean, just all things considered, though, do you think that, you know, the way that we're looking at performance is obviously, um, like, different um or even the way that we're judging individual things are are different because of the state of where we are as an organization this season do you think that makes it more obvious at least to our fan base or us that that this season is extremely like not i I mean just not legitimate yeah or it's just transitional i mean it has to help right i mean um Although I imagine like if you are just off the top of my head, if you are a Cincinnati fan or if you are a, um, I don't know, Nashville fan, I think too, like, or, or a couple of these other transitional weird teams, like suffice it to say, I think you should probably have a similar inclination, right? I mean, Cincinnati's had two, two management shifts and, um Nashville's not even ever been able to play at home in front of their fans. Uh so I think it's you're probably onto something that it's there's some team fan bases and, and points of view that lend itself to understanding it more than others. Um yeah, but I I just uh I think like our the fact that we haven't conceded more goals and we haven't like been punished more for um, kind of incoherent or not incoherent. It hasn't been incoherent. That's too harsh, but just less than coherent, uh, like shape and game planning. I think it's testament to the fact that everyone's a little off right now. You know, uh, I don't, I don't think we've really played a team, uh, that's had a, a put together, um, like attack, uh, and plan since maybe Philadelphia or Orlando, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That said, I, I, it definitely does shine through that Parker and Stroud, I think, are, are feel-good stories. Um, and I would have said Egbo a month ago. I did say Egbo a month ago. <laughs> now I don't know what to say about that anymore. Um, what did he but, do? They were promoting him with that that gif of him with the lips and everything. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. That's a we good thought question. it was finally going to happen. And then yeah. just... And then he... Yeah. And then he... You know, he sent those documents to Tucker Carlson. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, that uh, that's the only way. That's really the Egbo thing case is really the only way I can, uh, or the main thing motivating my idea that there's notes being shared, right? Because like the, I cannot imagine. I mean, on the flip side, though, I think that like it seems at this point comfortable to say that Mara seems to have won the spot for now. You know. Um, and I would expect him to probably keep it until he gets injured again. That said, I imagine Jensen will start on Sunday immediately, you know? Um, but, and I think compounding is this is that we've stayed completely static in the standings 
this whole time, you know, it's like, it hasn't, it hasn't felt like anything has changed. Like I, but not y- that- yeah, yet, yet another thing that just alludes to, I feel like the, the illegitimacy of this season is, is the standings yeah. or the idea of the standings, like, I, or, or the celebration, uh, what there are people who are just celebrating us clinching a playoff spot this season, which I just think is totally absurd. Yeah. When, Although, I mean, yeah. I guess the team has to do it, you know, like I don't begrudge the team account, it, for, but it's not the team. It's yeah. like, it's the media who's doing it. And I'm just like, it, it, just like what how can you uh, even even if this were a regular season and the, and we clinched this spot with 10 playoff spots how like is that really a point of like sure seattle's like being a bunch of tryhards by by doing the like we're not x dash seattle or whatever but you know <laughs> yeah. like is, is that like really a point of pride like i mean they're, they're really being kind of or edgy about it or whatever but like they have a point like it's, yeah, it's like somebody teams. shared a post the other day that was like it was like a reddit post and they're like wow it's this is a rare post that expresses something i completely agree with but in such an unbearable way that i'm forced to hate it <laughs> i'm post like being like grilled cheeses are so epic freaking awesome sauce that's how i feel about the seattle post <laughs> like i mean yeah i mean i sort of agree but you kind of made it sound really fucking stupid <laughs> like good god um yeah i, I and I think undergirding this, I guess, is is since we last spoke, has been the whole uh, brouhaha. Although I feel like I'm flattering it too much by calling it that, behind the supporter shield board, um, announcing initially that they were not going to award the shield, which I assumed was going to happen, um, and then sort of reversing the decision um, after some backlash from who I don't know, um, but I think if you look, Vanny. Greg Vanny himself, remember uh, yeah, the, the, the Oracle of soccer, Greg Vanny. God, people, people were literally talking about him like he was fucking Cruyff, like because he bashed up. Like, the I mean, even his points were like, "Oh, is this season illegitimate?" Even though, I mean, uh, I think this is the talking point. Even tell though the players are trying hard, I don't know if he said okay, that, but it was fine. that kind of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah tell it to their face. Okay, okay, like what? <laughs> um. If you listen, if you've been listening to this podcast, I do. It's basically been a theme of this podcast this season before this became like a discrete issue, um, and I don't imagine we need to spend a lot of time like winning you over to our position or explaining what our position is and why we think this season is so off kilter. Uh, I will say it's just very annoying to see that that all season everyone everyone has been for a variety of different reasons seem to agree that like decisions like the bubble and like the testing protocol and like the schedules and like colorado canceling a bunch of games dallas nashville canceling a bunch of games it was a mess it's all a mess and everything is weird and then some people went so far to call it a cash grab and greedy and like dangerous and all that stuff and like this this was in the air everywhere. And then all of a sudden it's like the, the supporter shield foundation, which is a volunteer fan owned group, you know, not controlled by the league certifies this bylaws and procedures to decide all this. Yeah. Like like democratically elected, uh, you know, from the supporters groups decides like certifies this by saying like, yeah, everything's a little fucked, isn't it? Like we're not going to award it. And then everyone, it's like, no, you can't just say that. Like, what? Like, what? Like, uh, the, the semantic disagreement of, like, oh, we'll just, like, mentally remember an asterisk next to it. Like, what? Even, the, the, um, even the decision was on, on the second revote, right? For, to, to reverse it. It was tied. I didn't know that. Yeah, the first, uh, the first 
vote came out in a tie, and then it became fifteen eleven after they made some kind of voting procedure differences. So, oh my God. like it, it obviously is not a clear cut decision. I don't think from the eyes of the supporters, even uh, or me, the people. It, just, it seems clear that people were pissed that. It seems like the fan control aspect does not seem incidental to me. I yeah, think it wasn't. Were, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, yeah, it wasn't. You know, daddy telling us how it's going to be. Yeah. Right. right. I thought there was a whole. I, there, there did seem to be almost like a concerted, um, and and to put my tinfoil hat on this in this case, just like effort to then delegitimize the idea of the shield um, in 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 its current organization and and form. Yeah. From, well, because that was the other thing. Like you, you, the the most pithy way to explain it, you know, is being like, "Oh, look at the schedule balance," and then like, fucking Hercules Gomez or whoever gets out here being like, "Oh, well, let's look at the numbers for the usual schedule balances." It's like, motherfucker. The point is not like I'm not going to go like create an index score for like how you know balanced the schedule is. Like it's clearly like. Yes, it's more extreme this year also by that metric if you want to do that. But it's clearly just like look how fucked everything is. Like listen to like Henri's interview about how they were like playing at RBA had to go back to Canada for like a week and quarantine and then come back to RBA and like Toronto is in fucking Connecticut. Like some people are playing with fans. Some people aren't. Matias yeah, watch the fucking games. You watch yeah. a fucking game and tell me that's real. And it's, it's not just MLS in any sport. Watch the fucking world series. Watch all these things and tell me that right. that's like, that's the same thing as winning you know in you know, front of fans with a full season played out where everybody was on their aim game and everybody was competing at the same level tell yeah. me that that's the same thing i you know tell me that tell me that the lakers just like fucking it's so stupid man and i don't I know. know why this is the first thing ever that people are willing to like give the league the benefit of the doubt on like it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody goes out of their way to say every fucking thing mls does is the stupidest thing ever and it's so crazy and it's so wild weird mls it's so mls to do everything but this you know forcing a season onto the schedule that never even started during yeah. a fucking pandemic that all these same people were such like neurotics about uh you know, four months ago are now, now we're supposed to just, I don't know. I should just stop my rant because it's like, I'm clearly, no, no, I mean, I watch, no, I think you're on. Yeah. I watched yeah. pretty much every, like most of the world series. Um, and pretty free, pretty straightforwardly like wanted the Dodgers to win. And then when they won, I was like, immediately just like, you know, when the final out was made, I was just kind of like, mm. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really feel the same, does it? <laughs> like it I just... think this. I think this gets to my point um, that we, we I want to move towards is that we should win MLS Cup this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of pushing through on that because like <laughs> I uh, I mean not that anyone would ask us anyway, but like you know just you know, I'm sure people would be like, oh, you guys still think it's fake now? I'd be like, yes. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What we is, just like, we just about, made your trophy fake now. Yeah. yeah. What about this hyper real world is normal to you? I'm sorry. What? Um, uh, well, honestly, like watch watch the game. You tell me like if if you think that this season is normal, all that tells me is that all all that you need is just to have like you know like the TV graphics on the screen saying the Red Bulls right. are playing the Revolution, and that's yeah. enough for you to to you know to get. You know, the right. kind of emotion and spirit and feeling that comes from sports. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Like. And to the point, to that point, I sort of, you know, I sort of get the, like, escapism thing. Like, oh, you know, at least everything else in my life is so weird. At least this feels good. But, like, I think it 
I mean, like, like we were saying in like the summer, we were just like, make it, make it the wartime FA cup, you know, just like call it that, like make it bubble after bubble after bubble. At least we can say mm-hmm. you won the bubble, you know, not like fucking MLS cup or the shield or whatever. Like that's fine. But it's just like this weird, like, like re- refusal to like encounter our world that feels bizarre to me. And, and to the point about like, watch the games, that's straight to the point because it reminds me of, of, 2019 you know and like the first half of this year where it was just like people writing these these takes and especially um you know league-wide writers mm. just kind of it's sketching like, out their like are you usual actually template. watching yeah, yeah where it's yeah. like just watch the game like lord knows like analytics departments definitely should just like bend the eye test sure no reason for like the performance analysts to have an eye test or like to you know, we don't need scouts saying like, oh, his girlfriend's ugly. That means he has low confidence. You know, the thing from Moneyball. Sure, that's trash. You know, that would, I don't want the team making decisions on that. But in terms of like describing like your relationship to soccer and enjoying it and being a fan and experiencing it and talking about it on podcasts and writing about it, some of you should fucking watch the game again a little bit and just like feel some yeah. way about the games. You know, it's like, like, it sort of makes sense at the end of the day that like not being able to watch the games and go in person and like see people, you know, and like be in the stadium is apparently lost on these people. Um, it's just, I don't, are you not, are you not seeing, are you not seeing uh, Bruce Arena's face? Like I am, you know, are you not, are you not seeing the bubble? Are you not seeing dudes just like jogging just straight up, field? straight up skipping if you're Vela or whatever, like, yeah. Or, like, or, you know, oh, I, I, you know, anyway, that it's I, okay. Deep breaths, everyone. I mean, I'm, like, I'm just I pissed. needed a breath a minute ago, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I think, yeah, it, it's funny because I feel like we're like, we're not really getting worked up, but like, we're almost getting worked up at other people, like finding a, a reason to get worked up. Well, I'm I'm like pissed on. I don't know any of the ISC people, the supporters council people, but like I'm pissed on their behalf because they just they just said everything, everything everyone's been saying. But for some reason, people took it out on them. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I mean, like, I, I totally agree. Like, it just, I don't know. It's just like really. I mean, yeah, it's it's just people need to, like if you just took a step back, you just to see every uh, i don't know i don't understand how it was so clear-cut a bad decision for people like if they had just announced this when the orlando tournament was happening i think every single person would have just been like yeah you know they're right or if they had just like not announced it i I have a weird feeling that that it would have blown over like i i don't know it it's yeah, maybe it's toronto fans feel like particularly oblivious to where like especially recently since they've gotten good where it's just like would they have even yeah. noticed if you know there <laughs> wasn't an official press too. release <laughs> yeah, yeah that too. fucking win oh my god <laughs> i think nashville should win it i just checked yeah. standings. nashville's above us in the standings by points per game now <laughs> yeah, they, like, yeah they updated it shit it'd be yeah. somewhat there a chance funnier i think sure. Three of their losses are from like forfeits, though, right? From like not going to Orlando, or do they just not Nash- count those? Nashville are the like perfect 
Didn't they just play Dallas three times? In the fake COVID season. Oh, they should win. I hope they win it. I really, I I wish that they, that fucking Colorado, like the Rapids won all the games and then stopped playing and like had this outrageous points per game score. And yeah, it's like win out. Uh, yeah, if they win out, aren't their PPG like going to be like two? They're like, yeah, they're, like, they're like in the playoffs with PPG, right? So you know, yeah. whatever, what the fuck ever. Does it? I don't if know. Alex Wheel just lifts the supporter shield at, at the end of the season, I'm, I'd be happy with that. Him and Dax. Yeah, or the MLS Cup or whatever. Right. Do we want to talk a little bit about the the Muil comment that he made? Um, this Go on about how I, I forgot the specifics of the comment, but he was talking about how Nashville is creating a fortress uh, or whatever uh, for, for, for their home games. And the fact that I think there's some momentum around them making a playoff push in their first season. And then I think Willie even said that, you know, sometimes the fans don't get behind you at, at Red in reference to Red Bull arena mm-hmm. and, and the Red Bull supporters. Uh, and he said that that's not the case at all at Nashville. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, kind of spicy, but but one hundred percent accurate. Like, yeah, I, is he wrong? Not wrong. He's, at he's all. not even wrong. No, but I mean, we're we're the, we're the small vocal minority of of you know the stands. Uh, I didn't even think about the fact that Nashville literally had fans together. I'd, I've still been assuming that everyone my, is like us. My coastal yeah. elitism bias coming out. Uh, my yeah. hatred for uh, for frat bros in. Uh, Nashville and everything. The Dansby yes. Swansons of the world. Thank you. Yeah. Um I didn't even think about the fact that they actually have people there. That's wild. Yeah. All, um, all the all the ex film production workers from Brooklyn who moved there are in the stadium. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um everyone is named either Dansby Swanson and went to Clemson. No, Vanderbilt. Or they're named Swanson Dansby and they're born in Martha's Vineyard. And went to Amherst. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, we sat in the, I mean, I, I feel like the, the Alex Bunuel abuse was definitely a lot worse in the midfield. The like few t- times that we sat there. Right. I mean, it's just like, yeah. Although I think the, the maybe beyond just the abuse, I think the context of that comment makes me think more of like the 2017 game against Toronto in the playoffs. Whereas like the the energy was just like nervous there, and I think like a couple of guys had spoke to that after the fact mm, that like yeah, BWP so that yeah uh, that like the the crowd was kind of nervous and um, that like affects the players and um, I think that kind of informed the next year when we went when we lost one zero away at Columbus a completely doable away leg to overcome and then like it there was a little bit of a, a Twitter dust up afterwards. Cause, cause some people were like, Oh, here we go again. This is so Metro. And then I think people were kind of reacting to those 2017 comments about being like, you guys, the players have like started coming out and saying straight up that like your bad energy and the, the fan base like does percolate onto them. Like we should just fucking show up and win. And then we came out and we won three zero against Columbus. And I think that was part of the reason why 2018 felt so good was that it did feel like we just were starting to exercise some of that energy. And we're just like, fuck this. We're one of the best teams in the league. We're on the shield. We're going to put away Columbus comfortably at home. Um, obviously that was all undone. And two weeks later, but for me, that's a big reason why 2018 was was such a good feeling. And I think Moyle's right when he talks about that. Like, it, not just the abuse, but, like, just kind of that nervous energy that can happen. 
but, but also the abuse yeah, that was pretty bad of, yeah that's it's real but i mean it speaks to to how uh you know i mean how illegitimate this season is and speaks to how much of an impact not that fans not being in the stadium is the only reason the season is fake but like you know uh, it's it's not it's not sports if you don't have a crowd there who it very much impacts the game. I mean, I got thrown off so much by I I had watched I got like the New England Sports Network uh, feed for a little bit. And when they interviewed Bruce at halftime, they like very abruptly turned off the piped up piped in uh, crowd noise. Mm-hmm. It was the most disorienting thing I'd heard in a while. Yeah, actually, yeah. I do not like the way that. I mean, actually, this is a dumb question. I guess that that's entirely the broadcast, right? Like all the chants and stuff that's not even in the building, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they do it in the. I mean, me. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm misremembering this, but I think Philly is like one of the few teams that does it like in the stadium itself. They have like a guy. Yeah, they pipe it in through the speakers, and it's fucking. See that. That is somehow more consistent to me. Like I just don't like. I, I, I don't, I mean, this back to the World Series again. I, f- I felt like the World Series and all those games that they played in Dallas or were, were Arlington were really freaky because like people were allowed to go there, but like in limited quantities. And it wasn't at any, like it was all out of town teams. And it was so much weirder to me than the MLB playoff games that were completely closed door. Because like the MLB playoff games that were closed door, like you could almost take on like a weird, like, like guys like sort of reacted reacting to the camera more a little bit like it just kind of you kind of adjusted to it but like there being half an audience for the world series and it all being sort of just random dallas people or people who traveled halfway across the country during the pandemic was just a really bad energy and i don't like I think we should just embrace the emptiness and just call it what it is. Right? It, it, like, it feels it feels like a cheaper, less important game to have like a weird like preseason crowd than it does to have nobody at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it. Um, oh, that said, we've got the Derby this Sunday. All right. Yay! Fucking YCFC. I hate I hate that that team of guys who maybe I could name four of them. Very I don't like real. the blue people. Yeah, remember when? Uh, remember when it was like good content to go to the Lego store and put like red red Legos in the blue Lego section? Wow, yeah, that that was that's a thr- yeah. throwback content. Oh man, remember when people posted pictures of them putting Red Bull jerseys in front of uh, NYCFC jerseys at man, Adidas stores? I used to get so mad. <laughs> I used to get so mad. <laughs> remember that's that. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I still hate them though. Yeah, like, sure. A lot. I you mean, know, that, it's like, just added to their hyper reality. You know, it's like now that they don't even have like, especially when they're playing at Red Bull Arena, it's like there's no, there's no like empty NYCFC stadium to like wax poetic about. You know, it's and then apparently they were playing a game there and like the while the Yankees were playing in one of their bubble games, and I guess the Yankees people just like showed up to broadcast from Yankee stadium. Cause that's where all their stuff is. And they're yeah. during the broadcast. They're just like fucking soccer people on the field. I don't know what the fuck they're doing anyway. Uh, that's a home run from, uh, from our show. Aaron, Aaron judge. Uh, but yeah, I, I, um, I guess they've had a turnaround. The last, the, the only thing I know is that they, their fucking little fancy pants little video team put together a shot. It looked like it was straight out of Alien or something. Like they decided to like shoot 
Delia talking on a Zoom call, but like from the other side of the room with like the lights on top. So he looked like the <laughs> chest burster was about to come right out of his mouth. Um, talking about like benching Matrita and it making them better. Then they sold him, right? To like oh, yeah. Saudi Arabia or something. Right. Yeah. Oh, he ghost them. I don't know, but they've gotten better since the time that we beat them. Um, which look, okay, this is this is like if you can remove it's not really possible to, but like even if you could remove it from the larger like shield discourse and debate, like that game against City, good good God, have you seen a more fake thing? Like in particular, even if you think for some reason the rest of the season is real, like that is that was the most surreal shit I've ever seen, right? Like that that mm-hmm. was it it's bizarre to think about playing them again. Um, cause I feel like they've been, they, they're the only team I've seen this year that has been like more off kilter than us, even when they've recovered, you know, what, what is going on with them? I guess they're getting better under Chris Delia. <laughs> Chris Delia? Delia, Delia is a, uh, oh, okay. No, Chris Delia is the, the, the pedophile. Oh, that's guy. not Chris Delia. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh, Ronnie, this, the, the. The I don't know Chris Delia's name either. The the actual comedian or the um, the the chest burster coach is uh, Ronnie Dyla. Dyla, Dyla. Uh, it's pronounced the Nord. Well, I guess it's I guess it's not the Norwegian way. Maybe he's kind of got an affectation like that he wants to be Portuguese or something. Because I believe the the actual Norwegian pronunciation of that um, e i phoneme is uh Keita. so it should oh, be dela yeah. but um you yeah know, i guess he's just a fancy line right is he? i thought I he know. was scottish until right now because he managed celtic uh and I, well, thought, I mean norwegian nor norway is just or norway is just north scotland so yeah. <laughs> that's true it's a good point um but yeah um they're in fifth not that, that means anything, but they, they've they've gone through another completely um, strange series of form. Uh, is Morales playing for them? Let's see. That's that's the main thing I think that is that uh, uh, when we played them last, Morales was kind of persona non grata, or he was injured, more accurately. Um, but he's kind of the key to what they've got going on right now. Um, but. Uh, no, doesn't look like it. No Morales, but Alexander Ring, classic enemy is still there. Tanner Holm, classic enemy. Uh, it's actually a lot of familiar names. It's the same. Oh, wait, I'm fucking blind. Maxi Morales did play 90 minutes. All right, well. Um, I, thought, I thought he didn't play either. So, yeah, that's weird. Is uh, uh, who's, who's, the, who's the Megamind looking guy? Is he playing? Eber? Yeah. Where the fuck is it? He wasn't on the he wasn't on the bench against. Uh, oh, didn't he get hurt? He got like a really bad hurt, didn't he? Oh, did he? Or am I thinking of someone else? I don't I know. know. It's who fucking cares? It's City. Lads it's City. Yeah. Lads at City. Are we playing? <laughs> are we playing there? I think so. Really. Yeah, because they have, there's no Yankee games going on. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't know. Um they were so bad the last time we played them. They were so bad. They were it's so, so so were we. 
<laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah, but we beat them, kind of. Like, yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Very, like, that's an asterisk win. Our, our coach even said it was one of the best wins we'd ever had. <laughs> Honestly, now that, we, now that we know what we know, that Kyle Duncan, well, the Sean Johnson goal, really kind of like, <laughs> it's almost up there with Eric Sorga. It, I, I, I could not have told you that it was Kyle Duncan that scored that goal. It's the, oh, really? the Sean Johnson <laughs> goal. That, yeah. That's like yeah. central to me because I feel like it was like a weird, because I, I feel like there was a weird undercurrent kind of like to what we had plugged into earlier right. like it's part of the legend yeah. of kyle duncan or just like i don't know i feel like if you ask like who's honestly who's improved under armis or been okay under armis i feel like somebody would be like oh kyle duncan he'd be like yeah really? <laughs> um but yeah he went from having zero goals under jesse to like two under armis so, yeah, i don't know yeah it's like that <laughs> vincent, vincent tan I think this ended up being not true, right? But there was that story that, like, when he took over Cardiff, he was like, "Why aren't my fullbacks? Or why aren't the team's fullbacks scoring more?" Oh um, yeah, I love that. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I thought you were going to mention his thing about how like he didn't want players born on like the nineteenth day of the month or something. Like, oh yeah, that's just prudent. Yeah, that's that's just that's just due diligence. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that Struber is bringing in some sort of energy like that. The the you know Zodiac is far too French and uh, uh, Raymond Domenech, but uh, I'm sure um, you know Herr uh, Struber will be conducting a solid peer reviewed analysis of the alkaline content of the uh, dirt on all of the guys' boots and determine. <laughs> from that who who should play um but here's something okay i'm i've i've found a thread and i'm i'm holding on to it with dear life uh kaku's back drew is well he never left but he's still here um velo still healthy i would like to see kaku drew and velo all play together up top, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen up top, but I'd love to see those three guys play together, especially if we can also get Long and Parker together. We should put, we should put Daniel Royer as a single striker up top. <sighs> yeah. Stop. <laughs> we have you all know, we that have is, this. That yeah, is not, not to spot. really live in the past, but we have this log jam now. But in the summer, we were using Daniel, Daniel Royer as the only striker. Yeah. Yeah. That was that, that was a testament. Like, to, yeah. How did that happen? Well, the bright spot is that I haven't really seen him play that much. Less, definitely less. Yes, he's definitely been playing less. I think that's been gone. That's gone a bit understated, considering just I think that how the attack is really too. Right, mostly me. Yeah, me. I I've been lacking on bringing this up because we haven't had an episode in like two weeks. I wouldn't mind seeing him. I, you know, if if I I would like if if we're gonna play City. Well, we're playing City and Tor- Toronto to finish this season. Season, right? Um, why it, this would be a good time to roll out some like maybe first choice lineups? I know fucking Carnell said that he's already been doing that, but like let's put Kaku out there. Let's put Yearwood out there. Let's let's maybe let's put Davis out there. I don't know because it's bad. No, time I meant to say this. I meant to say this earlier in the episode too, um, because like that that was one thing I felt kind of validated in is that. I was very curious to see what a Davis Yearwood um, central midfield would look like, and I thought they looked pretty good the, the one time that they started together. 
That's good. I know one problem that, um, you know, Davis, as we've said before on the podcast, is is at his best as like the second guy, right? Like the outlet guy and and um, in a midfield pairing or trio. And like looking back at all those pass maps and stuff from the late Armas era, uh, it's really glaring how how many how everyone's just passing into him and trying to play through him when that was not our strength. Um, so I think like the setup that we've had going, at least that's been consistent. The setup, the two man midfield stacked midfield four two two two, uh, could naturally help with that. I hope, um, again, a month ago, I would have said, I would love to see Egbo play with them as well, but I'm no better than to ask for that now. Cause who fucking knows hey, why he's not playing. Maybe Egbo just starts. I mean, like what, what's your ideal lineup compared to like what, what your realistic one is. Okay. I think it's, I think it's Egbo. Parker Long, Pendant, I guess. Uh, Velo, Yearwood, Kaku, um, Omir, maybe? And then um, Jorgensen and Royer. Well, no, I haven't seen Jorgensen play in five games. So I don't really, they don't realistically, I can't realistically put him as my ideal lineup. So maybe like Barlow well, this, and Royer. This is your ideal one, not your realistic one. So. If you, well, if you just I don't know. Jorgensen would be my pick because, like, I want to see him like get more minutes, not because like I think he's the best one per se. You okay. know. So yeah, I'll say I'll say for Sunday, like I'd like to see Royer and Barlow play again together. Actually, do you think Jensen in your mind is a starter over Mara though? I don't know. I'm gonna copy paste Quirk's boilerplate. I'm like I don't really know how to how to evaluate goalkeepers high detail i just i'm glad that we've established some sort of number one and are keeping with it you know and aren't doing the armis yo-yo fest my only yeah. analysis is that i'm i'm i i'm furious at carnell that he did not choose to make this decision until right after i published lens's column about how good <laughs> jensen is yeah, yeah whatever so. once again they're targeting us specifically oh yeah as always I um I mean I think I agree with you on the back line. I would like to see Davis and uh, Yearwood as the central midfield pairing, um, and then Kaku as the deeper one. As a deeper, yeah, the two of them. I I would like to see David. I think as a, Davis is the six in that in that case, um, and then have um, up top. Honestly, my three. I don't know like why he hasn't been playing more, but Ben Mines. Uh, I think gets more minutes. Probably not a start in this case, but. Um, I think Stroud would probably continue playing. Um, oh, fuck. And, take out, take out Omir, put in Stroud for me. That yeah, I think Stroud would keep playing. Team. Like, I think White just deserves to keep a start um, in, in this in this lineup. And then, um, who else? Who else has been playing attacker for us? Oh my god. Um, well, yeah, I know, but like, I, I kind of on like the the wing role. Um, I mean, obviously. You know me. I'm not going to put Royer there, but maybe I would see Omir there. Tete, can put Samuel Tete. We could, but I don't like. Honestly, what I've Real. seen from Tete has been like not not the biggest. I think Tete um, really needs a full preseason or, or something like that with the team. To, we and, gotta and, make it a striker, right? Yeah. Like I, if we go we, yeah, smart we, without we a striker, should. yeah. Wow. Well, what if we finally get a third DP? <sighs> 
Peaches, I'm just I, you didn't say that. I, yeah, Cam, go ahead. I think I agree with you, Peaches, on your, your assessment. Although I would just say, I, I, fuck, I mean, I, I like uh, everything except for, I don't know. I like Velo. I like the way he's been playing. I think he's really good in the 11. I, I just, I, I, I think he's better. He's a better spot, you know, better, better, better than Davis. Um, and you'd play Yearwood a little deeper. Uh, but I like having Velo and Kaku on in the same at the same time in the midfield. Yeah, I think that Velo has done a really good job, kind of playing whatever he needs to play. Uh, I remember saying a few weeks ago, like I don't know what Velo's like role in this team is going to be, but he like just turned into this total utility player over the last yeah. six weeks. Um, I don't disagree with great. you about Velo. I I think that uh, Velo might just be a naturally better, more gifted player than Davis. But I think yep. Davis compliments. Um, I think he compliments Yearwood really well um, in the one game that we've seen them together. But, you know, obviously that was just one opponent. So True. Uh, you need, we need more time to see everything, right? But, I mean, I, I think that'd be fun to, to watch a, a, a Yearwood, Velo, Kaku midfield. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, no. Britt, I, I know who I'm putting on the wing here. Duncan, <laughs> because we're Gareth bailing him. We're bailing him, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Cork, maybe do you do you have do you have lineup notes or is this probably this is probably a good thing to wrap up with? Yeah, no, I mean, I I I'm in the zone. I, I mm-hmm. I've 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 never I've, I didn't realize until over the course of this episode really that um, I was in the zone this much, and you know, it it does. It's both in the sense of like that the lineup's changing every week, and that I I don't know how much we can even read into the lineup changes that do happen. Um, but um, I, if I had just kind of like a wish list of things that I would like to see in, you know, isolated, um, uh, I, you know, Jorgensen would be, would be nice to see just to know that at least there's some, some plan there. But I mean, if, if there isn't a plan there, then by all means, you know, don't waste time on him. But um, there, there's that. And then, um, yeah, I guess I just want to be reassured that, um, or maybe not reassured, maybe is not the good word because I don't think it's necessarily like a positive or negative thing. It's more just kind of, uh, you know, uh, orienting us more to know that guys like Kaku and Royer and Yearwood are like actually starting players and they're, they're going to be, you know, in the lineup in the games that we want to win and that, you know, whatever happened Wednesday night or, you know, every other game this whole month um, was just rotation. So just maybe some, some kind of, uh, you know, getting some grounding on that is maybe more what I'm looking for in the lineup this week. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think I'll, I'll, from my comment, I'll explicitly contrast with peaches as well to say that for me, if like, you know, if slash when, when we play a playoff game, uh, I'm still at the point where like, I would like to see Royer in the lineup. That doesn't mean I want to see him here for the next five years. Right. But you know, like I, I do think he's like still our, one of our starting strikers up top. Um, but yeah, that's only because Ben Mines hasn't been given the chance to shine. Sure. Okay. Here too. Yeah. Yeah. This is prime time to sell him to Orlando. I just feel like this is the perfect opportunity um, to DC offload. Uh, yeah, his like thirty plus uh, year old self to uh, to a team. That would, that would, yeah, there we go. He's he's been in he's been in New York long enough and lost the accent that Nashville might be a pretty intuitive move for him at this point. That's but. true. That's a good one. He's yeah, got the look. That is a. Uh... I think that's a good wrap. 
for uh you know this week uh so in conclusion um <laughs> season is a fuck night uh 2020 kill them all uh 80 80 trillion what's the number 80 trillion 500 billion uh dead i don't know vars let's let's pick on var this week um i am trash man uh that's it let's let's go red bull new york beat beat them city meanies new new york is red new york and, uh, so so red so red all right bye <laughs> it's out of it.